living by the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not something you do naturally. It takes a conscious effort to live by the Spirit. It takes a conscious effort to uh, use and exercise your faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 is on the cover of your outline, and it says it is impossible to please God without faith. And just that word, when I read that word impossible, so it means no matter what other concept you have, well, I'm a good guy, and God loves me, and you hear people, God knows my heart. The Bible just strictly said, God strictly said, without faith it is impossible to please Him. And I don't know about you, I, I kind of want God to be pleased with my life, amen? And so in doing that, and so that means that I have to learn what it means to take this thing that we call faith and put it into actual action, really put skin on it in my life and have it be a work in reality. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now the King James says diligently. And, and the word diligently means, or diligent means, to make every effort. To make every effort to go after God. So if somebody looks at my life, does something about my life exemplify that I am seriously and sincerely and diligently seeking God? And in my seeking is faith evident in my life. And so as a Christian, as a believer, it's one thing to take a title. Hey, man. And, and, and I shared the illustration last week about, you know, getting on the team. And here we are, we're on the team, and we join the team, we get the uniform and stuff. But the purpose of joining the team is to actually play in the game, is to be involved in the sport, not to just to sit on the bench and wear the uniform and never be called upon, never be given the opportunity, and never have the desire even to engage in the sport. But to join the team means, you know what, I'm joining because I actually want to play. I don't just want to spectate. I just want to walk around and say, yes, I'm on the team. Well, what position do you play? Well, I, I would like to play this, but they, you know, I, I just don't want to be put in. I'm afraid if I get put in, I'll make a mistake. I'm afraid, you know, if they call me or do whatever. If I get put in the game, I might get hit. That means I could get hurt. So I like the sport, but I don't like the possibility of pain. And so the same analogy goes a lot with our walking God. People go, you know what? I want the title of a Christian. Don't you know, I just want to have the title. I want to say I'm a believer. I want the T-shirt, so to speak. But I don't want to be engaged because if I get engaged, I might get hurt. I might make a mistake. I might do something wrong. And then, you know what? So to avoid that, I just carry the name. And so faith goes beyond faith, says, you know what, if I make a mistake, if I get hurt, God's able to keep me moving, amen? And I'm able to overcome and make it through that. So we've had this confession, and we're just declaring through this series. I want you to say it again with me this morning, right there on the cover of your outline. Father, today I choose to break free from all doubt, fears, insecurities, and the lies of the devil that seek to hinder and restrain my faith in you. No longer will I be content to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. Today I choose to take the leap of faith, believing to see all that you have purposed to come to pass in my life and to live for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now yesterday... Um, as we were cleaning up and getting ready for today, we've had things spread out all over there. And uh, we, we have, have an express machine that we used to have set up. And on top of the express machine was one of the little uh, uh, 
shot catchers cups in that and this dollar bill was in there and was all wadded up it was covered with dust and 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 this section right here uh right along here was torn off and so it was in two pieces and that and i found it and i said hey that's a dollar it it may need a little help but it's still a dollar And just because it's torn doesn't mean it no longer has any value. Just because it's frayed around the edges. And so it was torn there. It was almost torn completely in half over here too. It just held together by a little bitty bit. So it was in rough shape. It had been through some hard times. And that and mistreated and abused. And that. And many of us, that's the way we were when we came to Christ. We were just a beat up dollar bill. You know what? But in God's eyes, you never lose your full value. See, with just a little help of a little bit of tape, you can see it kind of shining on there. And with a little help of that tape right there, with a little forgiveness and a little restoration, you, you know how much this dollar's worth? Well, I, I don't mean in today's economy. I just mean the, the actual value. But just in that, you know, and it's kind of funny because you look through here, it's got cracks all through it. I can see all these little crackly spots through here and stuff. I mean, it's been through some hard times. But you know what? This is still a dollar. It will still spend as a dollar. It still holds its full value. And your life and my life, many people say, well, you know what? I've been through too much. My life has too many scars. I've been wounded too many times. I, I've been put aside. I've been stuffed in the cup and set on the shelf. I have dust in my life. But God says you still have your original value. To God, you will always have your original value. And then last week, the other thing I said and kind of illustrated was that sometimes, you know, we're intimidated by the stepping out in faith because it's, it's new territory. It's, it's a new experience. And so if I go out there, what about that? And so we want to be used, but we're hesitant. We start heading towards it and, and, and we want to explore. But then we get there and something catches us and it scares us. So then we turn around and we go the other way. And the best way to illustrate that is to show you my grandson, uh, walking and experiencing cracks in the sidewalk. Whoops. <laughs> hey, whoa, There's another one. <laughs> Come on. You can tell I'm compassionate. I just laugh at him. <laughs> Amen. But he, 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 want, he said, man, I want to walk. And he ah, no. And then we go back and go, ah, no. And some of us, that's where we get stuck in God. We get stuck in that proverbial square of indecision and afraid to step over that line to take that next step into what God has for us. Are you with me this morning? And so we started last week and we didn't get very far, but we're going to go through this at the beginning for an opening this morning kind of quick. And you have an outline that has some fill-ins in there. So we started talking about seasons of opportunity and times of purpose. And when that comes to us, when it comes to taking the leap of faith. We can say, you know what? I have all kinds of time. I I can choose to live for God. I can get involved. I can do this. We don't have all the time. The only time that we know that we have is today. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. That, that Jesus said, and, and Paul wrote, hey, we're supposed to be redeeming the time in Galatians and, and that. So it's important that we understand that. So seasons of opportunity and times of purpose. A season of opportunity, seasons of opportunity are always connected to times of purpose and destiny. And they require the leap of faith. Anytime you're going to do that. A little JD, we had some other, but he would go along sometimes and he'd just walk right over crack. But then all of a sudden, something would catch his attention and he would just stop. And once it caught his attention, it would cause him to back up. But he wanted to go forward, so he just he had to overcome that. And there were times he'd do it and then he'd step over. So you have to determine if you want to walk, if you want to walk by faith. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by Sight. So if we ever get to the place where we're trusting our walk in God and we're trusting God to lead us, but if we ever stop and look at what's going on around us, it hinders our faith. So we need to look up and keep your eyes on the Lord. How many know Peter walking on the water, the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and considered the wave, he quit walking on the water. You and I to walk by faith that it's the same way. You have to keep your eyes focused on the Lord, not on the circumstances, not on the situation situation and your ears not listening to the voices that are around you but just serving the Lord so it takes that leap of faith for the believer these are the times when the Lord is getting ready to reveal and accomplish his purpose through you for the believer our life must be connected to his purpose your life and my life has to be connected to his purpose as individual believers when it comes to faith we don't just get to make it up as we want I said last week in the area of uh, of in, in the sports analogy is that when you join a team the players don't call the play the coaches call the play even when you get up into professional sports look these guys are all professionals but they all have a coach and they have to listen the, the coach you, you watch basketball today at noon the Lakers are going to play the Warriors and stuff so it's a big rivalry you know Kobe and and, and then new Stephen Curry and the new kid come the block kind of thing but when they go into huddle it's amazing even the Warriors they'll go into a timeout huddle and then they come out and out of timeout they run the play that the coach calls the coach runs the play and they come out and they run that play they don't all go hey I'm a pro Hey, coach, I'm a pro. I, I make bazillions of dollars every year. And you're telling me what play to run when I get on? Yes, dude. I mean, know what I'm saying? And so for us, but, but when we get in walking with God, we go, God, hey, God, I know, I believe, I, I just call my own plays, though. But purpose isn't fulfilled calling your own play. It's letting God call the plays for your life. Are you with me this morning? I said this last week. 2016 is a season of opportunity and a time of purpose for your life and for our church. We're going to have to seize the moment or it will pass us by. This will be a year for God's people. I believe this with all my heart. This is a year for God's people to rise up in the anointing and authority that he has given us to establish his kingdom. Or God said to the prophet, You'd say, son of man, prophesy. And you have to learn to speak and declare things over your life. You have to believe when you read the word of God, what God's word says to you. And you have to be willing to prophesy. The word prophecy means, it means to proclaim, to declare, to make known. So when the word of God, when you're reading your Bible and you're doing your devotion and the word of God comes alive to you, begin to speak. Why do I put confessions on our outline? It is powerful what you say out of your mouth. God says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. And so we're supposed to speak life. God says this, I, this is what the, the word of God literally says, I create the fruit of the lips. People say, I don't like my life. Well, quit sowing the wrong words. 
We're doing all right. Just speak the word only, and it works out a lot better. Are you with me this morning? So we have to learn to prophesy. And we shared last week with blind Bartimaeus that here's a blind man. Jesus is passing by. And I want you to hear this, a season of opportunity. People say, well, I'm just waiting. Jesus was passing by blind Bartimaeus. He, he, you have no guarantee he's going to pass that way again. When your opportunity rises and faith is rising up on the inside of you, you have to seize the moment. It has to be a carp diem day. It has to be seize the opportunity. How many know what I'm talking about? Because if you think it's going to happen again, then you go, well, what happened? He passed by. Jesus was passing by. He wasn't staying. We think, oh, God's just hanging around, nothing to do, waiting on us to make up our mind, to buy into what he's wanted to do in our life. No, you get a season of opportunity because you have a assigned time of purpose for your life. Are you with me this morning? And so we have to leap at that. We have to take that stand. And so we have to believe that that's going to happen. And we have to be willing to prophesy. So Jesus, Bartimaeus is crying, saying, have mercy on me. Jesus brings him to, to him. And now he says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's important that you and I begin to align our want with God's will and God's purpose and God's word concerning our life. When I begin to declare my want, I have to be declaring his word. And if I'm, if, if I'm seeking Him, I'm diligently seeking Him. I'm sincerely going after God. I believe and I'm wanting to live by faith. I'm wanting to please Him with my faith. Then I'm not making stuff up for myself. I'm, I'm wanting to be a man of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God or the message contained in the Word. Look inside your outline. Never has so much been in the hands of so many to accomplish so much for the kingdom of God. The church is bigger than it's ever been before. There are more believers in there's ever been before. There are more resources than ever been before. This is a prime time. I believe that this will not only be our season of opportunity, but also of accountability before God. What does that mean? That the, every parable that Jesus spoke basically about stewardship was that he entrusted something to it. And last year we did this whole series on stewardship of what it means to be entrusted with the goods of another to distribute through our life. But when we're given that stewardship, then if there's a moment where we have to stand and give an account for what kind of steward we were. Or the master comes back and says, how did you handle your stewardship? So accountability comes with this opportunity. It's our time to use what he has placed in our hands to fulfill his purpose concerning us. Now what happens is these are the times which bring about the testing of our faith. When we get these times, this is what proves and tests our faith. James chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptation, knowing that, that the trying of your faith works patient. So the testing of our faith is there. And so what does that mean? Well, faith doesn't mean, well, I have faith and nothing's ever bad's going to happen to me. No trial's ever going to happen. No, these are the times when we prove it. And it gets proved in these ways. One, I get asked, I really begin to look at when my faith gets tested, I have to stop and ask myself, am I committed to his cause or mine? <clears throat> it goes back to that point. Who's calling the shots? Who's writing the plays for my life? Me or God? I have people tell me all the time, well, pastor, I get involved, but I just don't have any time. I said, well, I'm not, it's not, I'm not actually asking you to get involved. The purpose of the church is to create a place that we have a corporate community to come together and serve God together, not do stuff for the church. 
It, 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 the church, you come together to form the body of Christ within the body. Every member is jointly framed. Hebrews 4, I mean Ephesians 4. Every member is jointly framed and fit together. And it edifies, the body edifies itself in love by that which every joint supply. So when people are asking you, get involved in church, we're allowing you to exercise the purpose that God has placed in your life for the edification of the body and for the building of His kingdom. Kingdom. It's not just asking you to do things in church or be connected in that way. I'm doing all right. I mean, to me, I, I kind of put you like this. Let me just roll this back over on this side. It would be much easier for me to go get a job and let you deal with yourself. Amen. I can do other stuff. I have skills. I, I could make a living doing other things. But God has compelled me to, 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 to give people an invitation to plug in and be involved in a community and a corporate setting where they can exercise their gifts and they can fulfill their God-given potential in their life. Are you with me this morning? So I have to ask, am I committed to his cause? Have I heard his voice? If things are going, am I being tested? By, is this my voice or his voice? And then look at number three. Am I willing to act in this season of opportunity and fulfill the time of purpose for my life? People think, I have lots of time to act. You don't have lots of time to act. Zacchaeus, hearing Jesus coming by, runs ahead, climbs up in a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus, and Jesus seeing him in the tree says, Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19 says, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I must come to your house. Well, Jesus, Zacchaeus could have waited in that tree for the rest of his life for Jesus to pass by again. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Jesus said, and then when he gets to Zacchaeus, he says, today salvation has come to this house. It was, he, had, he had a season of opportunity. And when it comes to living by faith and seizing that and taking the leap of faith, it's not just there for when I'm ready to take it. Do you understand that this morning? God, 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 just, God is not willing to wait for you to get ready. He's asking you to agree with this purpose. This whole book is the revealed plan of God. God says, this is my plan. And I created you where you would have a part in it. And I invite you to get into my plan. But it's kind of like being on the team. And, and you're in practice. You learned all. And the coach says, hey, yeah, you know what? I need you in the game. Uh, not this week. I think I'll play next week. well, you're on the bench and we need you in the game now, but I'm not really ready now. I'm not feeling it right now. You know, put this, I'm sure somebody else would like to play. Go ahead and put them. No, I want you in the game. Well, no, nah, not now. Okay. If I was a coach and you said that to me, you know what I would say? Well, then don't bother showing up next week either. We, want, we probably won't need you. If we can't call on you, we won't need you in the next game. We need you, when we, we need you there when we need you, not when you want to be there. That's kind of the thing with God. God needs you now. He doesn't need you when you want to be there. Are we doing all right this morning? And, and some people say, well, how do I miss it? Because a season of opportunity, you have to be ready to seize it. It's a carp diem moment. It means seize the day, seize the opportunity. Often these small acts of obedience and seasons of opportunity and times of purpose are testing times of faithfulness to see if we can be trusted with the true riches of the kingdom. Last week we left off at, uh, at Luke chapter 16 and the parable that Jesus is there in the explanation 
explanation of is that if we are faithful over little, we are, he will make us, give us ruler over much. But if you're not faithful in the small thing, you won't be faithful in the greater thing. And if you're not faithful in unrighteous mammon, and I would say this, we, we use the resources, we'll use the finances, we'll do all the ministry that people will empower us through giving to do, but money is the least you can give to God. And money is a cheap replacement for your life. Jesus never asked, really asked his disciples for an offering. He never came up to anybody and said, hey, you know what? I'm going down to Capernaum to preach this you know, meeting down there. Would you like to sow into my ministry? He just never asked anybody to sow in, uh, 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 just an offering. He asked everybody for their entire life. Your entire life. Can we just talk about real Christianity this morning? That's really what my entire, he asked for my life. Not a, not a part of it, not a segment of it, not, not a little piece that I, you know, I just cut this piece off. You're not a cake and you serve him his slice. But Jesus, here's your, Jesus, here's your slice of my life. No, he says he gets the whole cake. And he decides, and then he serves you. The, the apostle Paul said, like, I'm poured out like a drink offering. He said, my life, I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live. So we come to Christ, literally, to come to Christ means to die and then to be raised up in a new life. And so now the only reason I'm alive, because I'm raised up in him. That's why Paul says I'm crucified with Christ. The life that I now live, my after death life. It's through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I died to self, and I'm living a brand new life in Christ. That's why it's called being born again. I'm born again into a new life, and then I live this new life. And when does Christianity get excited? When I jump in and I live a new life, not an old life with some God painted on it. Hallelujah. Jesus is more than a tattoo. Could I get an Amen. Come on, it's not just enough of having something stamped on your life or a label, or, or but it's when you're completely lost in him. And so that is where, because Jesus says, hey, if, you're, if we're not faithful in the little things, in these times of testing, and when we're given that opportunity, then he says, how can you be trusted with the true riches of the kingdom? What does that mean? It means there's stuff that God has available for you and I to walk in and to be a part of that money can't purchase. The true riches of the kingdom are greater than money. Are you listening to me? And God said, there's things I want to empower you with. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we read this last week, and, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Living Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 7 says this, in the New Living Translation, it says this, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. King James says, manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Okay? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person to profit, to make you a benefit, to cause you to be able to help. So the manifestation of the Spirit, 
Now to believe that, that takes a leap of faith to walk in that. Because I have to believe that God from heaven, that God is putting, and, and I'm a recipient. My life is filled with his spirit, his anointing. I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit. I step into this anointing, and then by faith I believe that God by his spirit wants to move through my life in expression. Glory to God. That's fun. That's awesome. And you can't buy that. That's the riches of the kingdom that you can't buy. You, you, just, you just step into it by faith. And then it's there. Now, now why? To help others. To help. It's, it's, not, it's not there at your whim or at my whim to you. It means that when I come in contact with somebody in need, where Kyle is in a moment that he has a need, then there's a gift, the manifestation of the Spirit, will flow through him to meet at his point. It's to help him at his point of need. So if he needs that help right now, me showing up next Thursday isn't what he needs. He needs me taking the leap of faith, believing God, understanding times and season, and being sensitive to be led by the Spirit, being willing to step over the cracks that intimidate me. And to reach out, getting past my excuse that I'm crinkled, I'm ruined, I'm torn, I'm broken, I'm not able to be used, I don't have the same value. No, God has empowered you and I to be a benefit to one another. So you can minister the help that he gives us a gift to help other people, one another. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. So with that, it is so important that we get a hold of that. So what is a season of opportunity? I believe it is a very specific time in which we are to act based upon the situation that is before you. We have all had them. It's a specific time. A season is just that. It's defined by specificity and certain uh, circumstances. It comes with investment. Years ago, I tell this story, and I kick myself all the time. When we were first starting the church, and, and we'd just been going a couple years, and there was a gentleman in the church, and he came up against a financial bind, and, and he had a 1965 Mustang. He had completely restored it to all original. It was red. It was he had done an amazing job, very meticulous, done an excellent job. He was in a financial bind. He called me up and said, Pastor, I, I, I have this thing. I have to sell my car. He put years in this thing, restoring, and he wanted $5,000. And I said before I thought, I said, oh, man, Tom, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know where I'd get $5,000. I should have stole $5,000. Do you understand? I, I mean, so, because... <laughs> Don't I, can we edit that, please? <laughs> I mean, I should have, I should have got five. I should have called somebody, because it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity. It was a season. It was a moment, and something in me, instead of taking the leap of faith, saying and realizing, wait a minute, this is an opportunity, not to take advantage of somebody's thing, but even if I just got it to hold on to it, to sell it back to him, or do whatever, but because of something lacking in me, then you wait and you go, man, I don't want to miss. We've all had those times when you miss an opportunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it could be an investment. It could be to help somebody. It's taking a job. It means people go, oh, man, I heard about a job. I've told people about job offers, and then they fiddle fart around. And then they go, well, I applied, but it's already gone. I told you three months ago. Are you with me? All right. 
People at buying a home, the right time, the timing and everything. What about us? Buying a facility, taking the right time, making a move, making a transition, obeying God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, witnessing. How many opportunities do you get to witness? We've all been there where the Spirit of God prompts you to say something to that person, talk to that person, share your faith with that person, and you wait, and it's gone. Maybe they'll be there next week. What about this? Giving our life to Christ as our Savior. There's a season, a day to be saved, not just whenever I'm ready. Not just whenever I am ready. There's a season to be saved. What does that mean? In Genesis, God says this, that He will not always strive. My spirit will not strive with man forever. The word strive there means this. It means rule, judge, or contend. So there are times when you're under conviction. The Holy Spirit's convicting you to move upon you to do that. He's not going to do that forever. I share, I share with you last week. Well, I shared in second service about when I first began flowing in the gifts of the Spirit and the Spirit of God moving upon me. And, oh, God, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I got scared and I didn't do it. It was a huge, like that crack. I backed up. And, and, and then for three weeks I did that. But I, if, if I had just stayed in that place, God, and, and every time I hesitated, God used somebody else. You understand? Every time I hesitated... In taking the leap of faith in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit and being obedient to God, God used somebody else. Because God is going to accomplish His plan. It is His game. He is calling the play. He's asking you and I to get involved. And it takes that leap of faith to do that. But if we don't act, he will use somebody else. Then every time he used somebody else, the prophecy they gave, the interpretation they gave, I had it word for word. And I'm going, what? And so what did I? I missed my season of opportunity. So there came a place where I said, God, that's it. I will not miss it again. Even if I blow it, I'm going to take that leap. Are you with me? And you just have to have that kind of tenacity in God. John 4, 644 says that the Holy Spirit, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So the Holy Spirit is drawing. He's contending with it. So today is the day of salvation. I see people come to church all the time. They go through, so you know what? I just, I keep coming, you know. When I get ready, I'll accept the Lord. There'll be that day, and then I've watched people come in, and, and, and they're never moved again. They come, they listen, but they don't feel the conviction of God anymore. That's a scary place to end up at. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. See, seasons pass because they're defined by a specific time frame with identifiable characteristics. What season are we in right now? It's still March. What season are we in? Winter. Okay? Winter. April. Kind of be, you know, spring begins what? The end, the, the end of winter is what? March 21st or something like that? The last day of winter? So, so we are in winter. And then we're going to go into spring. And then we're going to go into the first day of summer. And then we're going to go into, you know, into fall. And then into the first day of winter again. And so, there, but there's, ident- what happened last night is an identical characteristic, identifiable characteristic. Hey, this isn't summer. Amen. Snow on the mountains, all that stuff, not summer. I mean, it happens periodically. One year we were here, it did snow in July up there. You get a little snow here and there, you know. But how many know that's a freak thing? If we're relying on the snowpack in July to get us through the summer, we're in trouble. 
If you're relying on the proverbial snowpack or God to show up in summer like he does in winter, if you're expecting something to show up in a season that doesn't belong to the season you were in, you're in trouble. Are you with me? So with that, has identifiable characteristics. There are others who are standing by while you're taking your time to decide if you will act in your season. And they can steal the season and seize the moment if you hesitate too long. Amen. Get there. Oh, man, I remember that. I mean, somebody seized that moment. Somebody bought that car. Somebody did it. There, there are other things and opportunities that I've had down through the year. You've had them, too. When it came to make that choice on doing different things, and you had it, and somebody else stepped in and took it. And so there had to, the leap of faith presses us, and we, and, and everybody look up here. You must be able to be uncomfortable. You live in a nation that sells you comfort. Even the way we look at church, I will go to church if the chairs are comfortable. I will go to church if it's not too, listen, we have it all the time. People look around, people get up and go tell them, it is too hot in here. It is too cold in here. It is this. It's too loud. It's this. Well, sorry we offended you. And you're not perfectly comfortable so you can receive the blessing of the Lord. I mean, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And then we want, we want life to be so comfortable. Amen. Let me take you to China. Let me take you to Haiti. Let me take you to Africa. Let me take you with, with, to Elwood, to Liberia, where he's back there now planning the church where they're just getting over the ravages of the pandemic of Ebola. And they're building a new sanctuary there. Our missionaries to Liberia. So, Pastor, you want to come? I said, Yeah, I'll come. But there's disease there. Who's bigger, Ebola or God? Hello? Amen. We're going to go down to Haiti, and now that we're getting ready to go to Haiti in June, they're telling us there's some mosquito with the bug, the Zeta, Zipha, Zeta, Zeta, whatever it is. Amen. You, you know what that means? Slap fast. Dude, I got Holy Ghost reflexes. You land, you're dead. You will never suck blood, you little flying demon. I'll tell you one thing. Amen? Look at, look at. Oh, yeah, but Pastor, you know, don't tempt the Lord like I'm not tempting God. Psalm says, No plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. That, that we don't live in fear. God has not given, look at God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And fulfilling his purpose puts me in a place where I need to walk by faith and, and to believe God for miraculous saying that even if the snake jumps out and bites you out of the fire and you shake it off and you keep going, God is still a miracle working God. And you have to get over. You are inundated with fear every time you turn on your television, every time you listen to your radio. There's some new disease, there's some new thing, and we're trying to live long, we're trying Hey Ben, and we'll take all the drugs, and we don't care about the side effects anyway. Moving right along, I want you. So others are standing by. Jesus encouraged us to seize the moment, because for me, He said, "You have not with you always." Why? Because seasons change. Seasons change. 
You have to seize the moment that you're in, the opportunity that you're in. When I'm saying, I, I, that's why I said right now, there's something that had to go off on the inside of me. Sean and I are talking about it this week. Because for a while, I've been going, do it, you know, just in between. And I'm just praying about, God, we're in between. Where do we go? What do we do? Do we stay here? Do are we continue? Do we buy this and do we justify? Do we work through all the reasons and how it worked out? And then all of a sudden last week, God just said, no, I, this is not it. Okay, that's it. I can step into this season. This is not my home. This is not my home. This is not where I will end up when I am done. It will not be here. Do you understand that? I understand that God is calling me into it. So I am changing. I'm adjusting. I'm willing. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to do what I can do. And then if people want to go with me, we'll have a great time. But if not, I know that I'm in a new season. I'm headed in a new direction. I know this is... Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you decide that, when you settle that, then that releases the provision of heaven because God has moved you to a place, but He needs you to agree with the season and the time of opportunity and the purpose that He has for you because your life is not that that's what dr sam shared up there in legacy guys our life is not just for my life it's about the legacy that we leave what are you handing down to the next generation i got grandchildren my god look at my this is my i'm a young man stand up jacob i'm my oldest i do not have a grandson as big as me but i do look at that Amen. That's my legacy. In two years, he's driving. In just a couple of years, Sean's going to be able to join AARP. <laughs> but I'm not that old. Amen. He turns four. I, I have a 40-year-old son this year. So what I'm saying is, is that your life. No, I'm not. Look at this. I'm not old. But your life. <laughs> <laughs> your life, listen, but if, if I think if I'm just living my life, I don't understand. I, I have a, a, a posterity. There's a generation behind me. This is, this is a relay race. We're passing the baton to your sons and to your children. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. So you have to think larger. But God puts you in a season that you can step into to make that happen. But it's risky. It takes risk. Are you with me this morning? It takes that risk. What about acting in season? A season is a given time to act on the situation that is before you. The season reveals the purpose that is at hand. Galatians 4.4 says that in the fullness of times that Christ came. In the fullness of times, Christ came. He said, well, how come Jesus did? And people go, well, if the Lord was here. I have some pastor friends. They change their views on the rapture. I told them, have fun staying here. I'll go and watch from heaven. Amen. You don't believe in the rapture? Hang out. You know what? Take videos. You know, upload them. You can airdrop them to heaven. We'll watch them. Glory to God. But in that area. See, for me to stay through the book of tribulation, the first plague that falls one-fourth of the world's population, you have to have one in four faith. Just moving right along. A fourth of the world's population wiped out in the first judgment. One fourth. Seven billion people on the face of the earth. Figure that out. That, that means close to, that's about 1.65, 1.7 something billion, almost two billion people gone. People don't have faith to witness, but they have faith to be one in four. Anyway, go on, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So watch this. 
It's a time, the fullness of time, the time for redeeming man. His return is already set. Jesus said this. They said, will you restore the kingdom at this time? Acts chapter 1. The disciples asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That is in the Father's hand. So that time is already set. He says, but you will receive power to be my witness. And you will go throughout all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world being a witness for me. Your season and my season of purpose and opportunity is connected to us being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Ghost, endued with power to be a witness in our season. The times and the seasons of His coming and of His return have been set. He came in the fullness of time. He will return in the fullness of time. We need to be obedient and diligent in our season. Are you with me? Amen. So watch this. So it's a time for fulfilling what the prophets have spoken. John 7 verses 2 through 28. Jesus is ministering and his brothers and, and, and friends are coming to him. Oh Jesus, if you're doing all this here, you need to go up and show yourself to everybody. You need to go make yourself known. If you're going to do that, nobody does the work that you do. And if he wants to be known, does them and hides them. Jesus says, hey! You guys go up. My time hasn't come yet. And you need to understand that about seasons and, and of opportunity and time. To, never let somebody else push you out of your season or push, rush you ahead of your season. What did Sarah do to Abraham? Rushed him ahead of the season and the timing of God. See, when I understand it, you don't have to be in a rut. That's why for me, people say, oh, Pastor, when are we going to get it? When are we going to make this happen? I don't know. It's not up to me. It's up to me to agree with what God has already declared and revealed that he will do. I'm not in charge. That's why it took us 19 years to have a Lord's gym. God put it in me 19 years before we opened the door. But I knew all along, we're going to have a youth outreach center. We will create a place. God put it in me 19 years before. And we just kept agreeing with it. We just kept saying it. Are you with me? And all those kinds of things and making it happen. When you try to make it happen, when is it? He just wants you to agree. And while you're in it, watch, here's what happens. Because while you're in it, there's always those little testings of your faith that are proving you, refining you, and getting ready for what he wants to open up to you. So can you be obedient in this? Can you be obedient in that? Can you be obedient in that? Can you be faithful in that? While I waited 18 years for my son to be restored to me and doing that, and then God spoke to me 10 years before he showed up. Get this, 10 years before Sean moved from Montana to here, God spoke to me on a Sunday morning, and he literally said, I wrote it in my Bible. I have it up there. I wrote it in my Bible today. I have restored your son to you. I was in a meeting. Larry Dempsey was a guest speaker preaching there. And we're just worshiping God. And it just jumped on the inside of me. Today, I have restored your son to you. February 19. I wrote it in there. Amen. Ten years later, it came to pass. But can I tell you, ten years with God is a suddenly... Suddenly. But, but see, look, at in, in, in that, see, what has to work? Everything, when you hear him tell his testimony, I, I tell that side of my testimony, you hear him tell his testimony of all the things that God was working. That's why you, when you get up here, well, I, we had their name on there for a year. It may be their tenure, but it doesn't mean it's not going to end up over there. 
because he's trying to go, well, while I was doing that, I know when I came to dad's house and I know this and God was doing this and I come, I go to youth camp, I get saved, I get filled with the Holy Ghost, but then I go back and all this stuff working around and uh, and then finally, boom, ah, I hear God. Amen? But everything works around. And so what did I need to do? When I got the word, I did not call him up and said, son, God restored you to me today. Pack your bag, you're coming home. I didn't say that. I just stayed right in my lane. My, my, listen, when God speaks the word, your job, my job, is stay right in your lane. Just stay in your lane. He doesn't need you to go help make it happen. You just stay right in your lane. And then the amazing thing was, when Sean showed up and he came, all the things he, were interested, he was interested in, media, sound, everything that he had interest in, you know, you know where it was? It was in the house. It was all here. So when he showed up, his interest, he, he connected with his interests. Amen? Tried to help somebody right there. I need to worship him come back. John chapter 9. I'm going to take another week to get through this. John chapter 9. Jesus said it like this. He said, I must work while it is day. Everybody look up here. You have to work while it is today. Not tomorrow, today. You have to work while it is today. It's what God has placed in our hands to do today. And I, I don't know how to stress how important this is. Why is it so important that I get plugged in and I start serving? I have had more opportunities open up for ministry by serving in what, what looked like something so insignificant. If I think about God, what's your greater, what's your full purpose for my life? I, just whatever is in front of you to do, do it today. It's connected to your purpose. So in walking through the Joseph is the prime example. In the life of Joseph, the principle is this. If Joseph, looking back on his life, he understands. Joseph, from the palace, looking back to the pit, understood. From the palace, looking back to the pit... His declared purpose was to be a leader over his family. That was God's declared purpose for his life. But he understood it when he was in the palace looking back to the pit that God had to take me there to get me here. I would, Joseph would never have ended up in the palace without being rejected by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, being serving in Potiphar's house, being accused and lied about, and then thrown into jail, being forgotten by the people that he prophesied and gave him an answer to get him out, and then finally redeemed. But everywhere along, along the line, he stayed faithful in his lane. And he refused. My favorite line when you read in Genesis 38 and 39, you read Joseph is in the prison. And the butler and the baker come in and they're discouraged about being in prison. Joseph says, hey, why are you guys so downcast? They're in, pr 
they lost their job, got thrown in prison. So I said, what are you guys discouraged about? And everywhere Joseph was, when he went to Potiphar's house, he caused the man he was in slavery to, to prosper. When he went to the prison, he caused the prison to prosper. And every place he was at, responsibility was turned over into his hand. He's not at his destiny, but it's his season of opportunity that's leading him to fulfill his purpose. And he's staying in his lane with the right attitude. He's being faithful in the testing of his faith. Are you with me this morning? And it's bringing it to pass. So when God's speaking to you, just stay right there. God, you make it happen. You make it happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You just, you just hang out there. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Even with Sean. You know what this year marks? I waited 18 years for restoration. You know what this year marked? February this year was? 19 years of him in my house. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? God's good. And 17 years of him being on staff with him. Being in the ministry. Not, not only restoration, but God saved. And now he's in the ministry, walking the same path. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Be faithful in your land. Stand with me this morning. The leap of faith. The leap of faith. The leap of faith just to be faithful. And see, the whole time I'm believing for my son, you know what God's asking me to do? is to minister to other people. The whole time I'm waiting for my answer, I'm supposed to be giving myself away to provide answers for other people. See, the, the, only, the only way it comes is when you're giving yourself away. The way you get your answer is by helping other people get their answer from God. Minister to others. Pour yourself out. Give of yourself. Take that leap of faith. Invest in somebody else and watch God begin to orchestrate things behind the scene. Father, today, Lord, as we're standing in your presence, Lord, there's somebody here that they identify with that dollar.